In this episode, we talk to Vanessa Hartman about homeschooling, nature co-ops and her year in Nature Guide. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Have you heard of a homeschool co-op? What about a homeschool nature co-op? Well, today we're lucky enough to be talking with Vanessa Hartman. Vanessa is a homeschooling mum, military spouse and yogi who is super passionate about creating what doesn't exist yet. For Vanessa, her particular passion is creating community. And as you'll hear today, how this passion has led Vanessa into creating and leading homeschool co-ops in nature for her family. Before we start, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. We'd also love for you to share this episode with someone you think might like some help in starting their own homeschool nature co-op. And of course, as usual, if you've got photos of a homeschool co-op or nature co-op that you're a part of, we'd love to share that because the more people we get to build these like-minded villages, the easier this homeschooling journey is for all of us. But right now, let's get chatting with Vanessa. So Vanessa, welcome to the show. Let's jump straight into it. Vanessa, tell us about A Year in Nature Guide. What inspired you to create this beautiful guide for families? So I actually, um, I had no intention of ever creating that. Oh, wow. It's so in-depth, Vanessa. It's beautiful. Well, when I was leading, um, I never personally thought I would homeschool. And then the closer we got, and I was always home with my son and we're a military family. And so I've kind of just found a niche of every place we move, whatever I want for our family and it doesn't exist yet. I just create it. So I started creating, um, these homeschool co-ops in Hawaii where I was leading on Monday was basically like a Waldorf inspired, um, co-op that I called it Waldorf, Waldorf in the woods. So it's basically how Waldorf classroom would be, but outside. And then I also led a forest Friday but I would make it where if families were coming to both, it really kind of overlapped in our themes and just built on it. And then the kids got to like, just go really in depth with their friendships and what we were studying. And so um, all my friends were like, you know, like you should like create something so more families can do this because I feel like a lot of families want that, but it's a lot of work in the beginning to figure out like, (laughs) okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? So I basically took three years of leading a homeschool group outside nature-based and put it into one document that I believe is like 79 pages. And what it has in there is the flow for how I ran our co-op, how I created it, how I ran our Facebook group, how I even came up on difficult moments. Like if I had to ask a family to leave, um, our plan from our circle time to our activities, to our books, to also like just book, like a book list for parents to read for mindfulness, for kids suggested mindfulness books, basically just like a powerhouse of teaching mindfulness and nature and giving it to people where they can be like, you know, I want to be outside 
with my kids and friends, but I don't know where to begin. This will get you started for sure in your first year. You don't have to plan a thing if you want. I even have a YouTube channel with the circle time. So if you don't know the song, I sing it on there. I lead you through the finger plays. There's verses. Everything is nature-based. So if you have religious preferences or don't, like um, you can make it work for everyone. And it's just fun for the kids and very nourishing for a community to come together. And that's what I wanted it to be, just a guide of, you know, back to that like village living of we celebrate birthdays, we celebrate the changes of the season, and you don't have to go Google anything. It's all there for you. Yeah, it's such an incredible resource. Um, Vanessa sent it to us a while back and we were just in the throes of it post-COVID and just couldn't even, we couldn't even look sideways. So when I finally got a chance to open it, I just couldn't believe the amount of time and energy and the thought, the detail that you have gone into in this document. You literally could pick it up and start a homeschool co-op and it's all done for you. Where can our audience find it? I have it on Etsy and I just found that's the best place to have it. And then I also, on my Instagram, I am sharing now, like every month I'm creating a new highlight of what I'm doing now for our homeschool co-op. So if that way people want to connect and see like how I'm changing it or what I'm currently doing, I'm always like happy to answer all the questions. And I just love, for me, I created it because I wanted more of the magic my child is feeling in the forest and experiencing in his childhood to be more available to more kids. So you mentioned before that you never thought you'd homeschool. What was the tipping point that led you to go, okay, I just have to give this a go? So I guess, I mean, most of us as parents, like we were like, okay, like I got married and I'm going to have a kid now, all these things. But then um, I went to a yoga teacher training before I had my son. And that really made me start to question like things and be like, okay, I don't really want to do this. Like there's other options. And so we went down that route when he was younger and like birth and all that kind of stuff. And then one of my friends, I still remember, she was like, oh, like, are you going to homeschool? And I'm like, no, why would you do that? Like you just put your child in school. Like that's what you do. Um, but actually the point that changed for me, we were living on a military base um, in the Mojave Desert. That was like a very negative environment. But I went there and I was super positive and I was like, okay, we're going to do good with our time. We're here for at least two years. We're going to make the most of it. So I created a mom's workout group and just like created this positive environment for people to come create the healthy lifestyle they wanted. And then a lot of the moms were sending their kids to the preschool there. And I kind of looked into it and I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's normally what you do. Um, But for there, you weren't allowed to send any food. And I was like, no, like, I am not okay with that. Like, I've busted my butt to, like, make homemade baby food and make sure my son's getting the best possible start to his life. So it was really food was the first thing. And then I was like, okay, well, the preschools don't let you do this. And then the more and more I learned about, especially for the U.S., like, the, um, the lunch programs and stuff like that, which you can pack your own. I get it and stuff. But just, I was like, you know my whole goal, my whole goal was like, um, I didn't learn about like food or nature or healthy lifestyle practices till I was in my twenties. And so I was like, I want my son to grow up and it be a natural thing from the beginning. 
And so that's really was what it was like the mindfulness, the food, like nourishment everywhere. That's amazing. And how did you get your partner, your husband on board? Because this is a question we get asked all the time. <laughs> so um, it's interesting. My husband and I actually met when I was in, co- we were in college and we met when we were both in ROTC. So we were both did the army. He's still in the army. I got out. Um, and so when we met, I was a very different person than I am now. My husband is in Western medicine and I'm very holistic. And so I remember when I was pregnant with my son, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a natural childbirth. And he was like, um, what? why would you do that? And so I think my like determination for childbirth showed him like, Vanessa's going to do what she thinks is thing. like she's going to prove her case because um, mm. I ended up having a 40-hour natural childbirth my, with my wow. son and I was like this is kind of just like what you believe in like when it gets tough so so really like he's been super on board and actually is a huge advocate for everything we're doing because he I mean he sees how happy our son is and how excited he is and like our son is a little monkey and will like climb up trees like crazy. And you're like, <laughs> how is he even doing that? And so I think the best thing as a parent in general is just to see how happy and excited your child is. And then it would be really hard to be like, no, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. But there's, there's one thing that I, a couple, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Um, my husband was like, okay, Vanessa, just like reassure me what we're doing is okay. Because I've been like very delayed academics to like seven years old, really going back how it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Michael, honey, like you don't go up to someone and ask him, okay, so Nikki, how old were you when you walked yeah. or how old were you when you learned to read? Like you don't meet an adult and talk that way. No, that's right. And yet people do that to homeschool children all the time. What are you, what's five times five? I'm like, I would never ask a school child that. I would never test them about their knowledge like that, but it's, it's almost this need to prove that they're, you know, quote unquote behind. It's frustrating. So it sounds like he was an easy convert, which was not easy, but it was he was already half on board and just needed the reassurance, which is really nice. I think it's definitely like... He knows me and I'm determined and I go for what I'm passionate about. But I think too, like we, you got to have some type of like communication or like a dynamic already going, you know, of being like, okay, well, I feel this is best and I feel this is best. And we definitely don't agree on everything. And I think the thing that's helped me as a mother and being very passionate about these things is also like acknowledging that your child didn't just choose you as their parent, that they also chose your spouse. And so being open to listening to their feelings too, because I feel like it is important to acknowledge them and be like, okay, I can tell you're really passionate about this. So how can we make it where we both feel comfortable? So where are you on your homeschooling journey now? How long have you been homeschooling for? Yeah. So I have one child, one son, he is seven. Mm -hmm. Um, Him and I have been together since the day he was born. And so we technically have been doing homeschool status for three years and being really emerged in the co-ops and that kind of dynamic. Nice. So let's talk about the homeschool co-ops. Um, for some of our listeners, they will not have stumbled across a homeschool co-op before, particularly in Australia. If you're not really on the eastern coast or the big cities, then the chances of actually finding a homeschool co-op are probably quite small, just purely due to population size. 
Tell us about A, what a homeschool co-op is and then the, what the benefits are that you see from being a part of a co-op. So at least in the U.S., when people decide to homeschool, everyone goes on Facebook and they search for all the Facebook groups for their city, their area. And from there, like there's giant groups, you know, thousands of people. And it, those are nice to like ask a general question and get a bunch of answers and stuff. But I think the magic of having a homeschool co-op, like a small tight-knit community that you're seeing weekly, is it gives your kids that opportunity of feeling like they have classmates, whether it's in the forest or whatever environment you're going. And then also, even more importantly, um, it holds that space for the parents to feel the support and encouragement and feel heard and like not challenged. Because as soon as you are going to go against the norm and you're like, yeah, I'm homeschooling, and you get this bombardment of everyone's opinions, like it really, for some people, it's really hard to be like, oh my gosh, am I not, how am I not going to mess up my kids? Are they right? Like, and go down this route of who knows and not have confidence in yourself. So a homeschool co-op for me, I love it because we celebrate like these festivals of like May tree and like nature spirals, spirals for winter solstice and watching the last sunset and making potlucks and like, making beeswax candles out in the forest, like I'll just, these things that I'm like, that's how I envision childhood, but it's a total different experience compared if it's just me and my family going out camping and doing these things compared to like, okay, we have 10 families and we're all singing songs and we're doing these together and the kids are laughing and they're having fun and they're building forts. So you said you started your homeschool co-op and it's obviously nature-based co-op. How did you gather your families? I found them through Facebook. It is a very helpful tool. It is really (laughs) helpful. (laughs) I use, I definitely am one of those that I use social media intentionally and I use it as a tool and it has been an amazing tool. Like, especially if you're a family that moves every couple of years. Um, We moved from Hawaii to Maryland. We live in Maryland now. And I just was able to jump right into community and find what I was looking for all through Facebook. So I just kind of put out there like a a couple cute pictures from what I had done before and then been like, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. Let me know if you're interested. And then from there we did, I don't know if you're familiar with the Marco Polo app, but it's a free video chat app. No. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. So mm. that's the best way I feel like to first communicate with some people and you can do it as a group and that way everyone can share. And it's not like zoom where you have to be on at the same time. They basically chat back and forth. So that way you can share what you're thinking. Everyone can ask questions. And because too, it's important for the kids. Once you show up, once like everyone shows up together to be like, this is how our daily flow is always going to be. So you don't want everyone to kind of show up and you're like answering questions and everyone's like, Oh, what are we doing? Like you want everyone to show up and know what to expect. So that way the kids, like, you know, they feel that rhythm, that comfort of like, Oh yeah. Like we do circle time and then we get free play. And then like, they know where they are in their day. Mm, Nice. Yeah. That's good. And do you, do you say you've got about 10 families at the moment? So I'm, I think the perfect dynamic is 12 families. That's what I've done in the mm-hmm. past so that way if people are traveling or they're sick or whatever is going on because if you only end up with like two or three people two or three families there it makes a total different like circle time dynamic yeah but um this one I started now is smaller just with the state of the world so we're at seven families this time mm-hmm. 
Nice. How are you going over there uh, pandemic-wise? So I'm technically not breaking any state laws with where we are. Um, mm-hmm. I made sure to follow that. But it also, I think the best thing, so that's why I did the Marco Polo group too, to like check in with every family, ask them like, how are you feeling? All of this. Um, for us personally as a family, we moved from Hawaii back in February and we were in Colorado when really like the world kind of shut down. We were there for about two months and then we got to Maryland and the world was really shut down. And it was really hard on my son. Like he's an only child. He was going through this seven year change. I don't know if you've ever studied that with the Waldorf philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then my husband went back to school on this really intense program. And it was really hard. Like husband was super stressed out. My son was so sad. And I was like, you know what? We got to get back to nature and we got to get back to childhood. And that's just been my priority. Like I'm so just, I don't know. I'm so sad and scared for all the kids right now that aren't getting that, you know? Yeah. I would hate to see, but would also be very curious to see a longitudinal study on the effects of having children locked up and inside and isolated from their friendship circles for so long. It's going to be really interesting to see the long-term effects of this time on kids. Well, and we're a low-technology family. Like, we don't have a TV. We don't do a lot of the technology. And so the whole Zoom calls and stuff, like for us, when we would try it with my son's friends, like back in Hawaii, it would just make it worse. And I was like, we can't do this. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult and finding that balance too. You know, most families I know, you know, have gone way over their preferred screen time limit just to keep the family dynamic sane. And I don't know, again, what is there going to be damage from that? Are they going to, how are we going to recover the, like the public health issues from this, the, the increased obesity, the, the fear of nature and the fear of germs, perhaps more OCD, you know, traits coming into this generation. It's, it's a minefield a couple things that have really worked for us is we do like audio stories so we Mm. do like sparkle stories is like my number one go-to because it doesn't have any advertisements or we do my son and my son's into harry potter so we'll do the harry potter on audiobook like if i need to work and my husband needs to study or we just need like that quiet time because we're Mm. used to living in a neighborhood and playing with kids and everything um so that's really helped and then also too i think the best thing for me as a parent has still been able to model like kindness for my son. So, I mean, there's so many different like separations going through. And I heard my son tell another kid the other day, they were talking about something and my son replied, well, like maybe it just makes him feel more comfortable. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, you know, cause they're listening to everything we're saying. And so I feel like the best thing we can do right now is just model through ourselves no matter how we're feeling treated or overwhelmed we are like still model kindness and optimism because that's Mm -hmm. then what they're going to feel and what they're going to like share through their friends and then know in the future like a big major thing comes up and they're like be like oh yeah do you remember when my parents did this and this is how they reacted like that's what I've just been focusing on. It's that subconscious effort, isn't it? it? I think if it's in your subconscious, then that's what you lead with. Whereas it's it's that whole changing of the brain. And if we can change it and we can change by changing our own brain, then we're changing our children's brain and we're changing our micro community. So that ripple effect is, is incredible in our community just from one person changing their mindset. 
Definitely. It's like so much just the ancestral shift of how we react. Like even today, my husband was leaving the campus that he's going to school on and already like kind of had an overwhelming day and then got rear-ended. Protests are going on and stuff. And then he comes home and like both of us are super calm. And a part of me was like, it doesn't matter what the car looks like, whatever. But like our son doesn't even know that he got rear-ended. Like he doesn't know anything of the stress of the day. He just knows like he was soaking, relaxing in an Epsom salt bath after being covered in mud and grass. And so like living his best life. Yeah. And I think that's too, like, we're not a family that watches the news. And when we were traveling, like we were exposed to the news and that affected our son a lot. Like so much, he would just run away from the room. And so knowing like, that's not something he feels comfortable with. And so it's kind of like, there are all these like adult things people maybe want to take in or, you know, like have a part of their daily life, but making sure the kids aren't feeling that, even though like we might not feel like they're affected by a lot of these things. Like if we pay attention to their little cues, like they really are. Uh, And there's so much evidence of that, you know, the news, even though they might not show the graphic violence of it, the stories behind it, they instill a sense of fear and children can't tell the difference between what's happening in, you know, downtown DC compared to what's happening in in your hometown at any one time. We got to the point where, so we're the same, we, we have a TV, but we only use it for Netflix movies occasionally when we need the time as well, or documentaries. But so they don't see the news, except they hear it in the car sometimes if I've got the radio on. And we're at the point now where my eldest is like, mom, can you turn the radio off? And I haven't even noticed that the news is on, on the radio and he doesn't want to hear it. I think if they can create those visual images in their head just with the radio, then what are they seeing on the news and how are they internalising that? I think it's a really important point. Because like too, the older they get and they're around different people and they hear different stories or say their friend is like, Oh yeah. Like, look at this. I was telling my son, I was like, once you see something, you can't unsee it. So you want to be careful about what you're, you're like, yeah, I want to see that because then it's in your brain and like, then it can come into your dreams and your thoughts. And so it's kind of, I mean, it's, I mean, as a seven-year-old too, like, he's like, okay, like that makes sense, mom. But then the more conversations you have, I feel like that's really important. Yeah. And again, our child brains and sometimes adult brains can't tell the difference between what is real and what is not. You know, even though I'm sitting here as an adult watching a movie, you know, there's a scary scene. I can feel my heart rate go up. I can feel my breath increasing. So my body, even though my brain is telling me that this is all pretended, there's nothing to be fearful of, your body still reacts. So you can only imagine what's happening in in your child's body when they can't tell the difference between what is real and what is pretend. So, yeah, I think the screen time is really important and really important to be aware of and particularly what what is being watched. And things like the YouTube when when children are just left unsupervised on it, that terrifies me, terrifies me. Yes, since we've done like so low technology too and then finding that balance of like, how do you introduce it a little bit? So it's not like this thing of once you finally get it, like, Oh my gosh, like my parents never had a TV. So I want like a TV in every room. And yeah. I <laughs> want to do all this, but it's, it's just so scary of what all is out there. And even for me, like I could go the rest of my life without watching a movie. Like mm. I'm not into that, that kind of thing. Like 
how I used to be like now. I mean, for many, many years, I had like all these ridiculous TV shows I would watch and stuff. And then I had my son and I was like, I just want to read a book or sleep. Like, mm. and so now when I get talked into a family movie, I even like a family movie, a lot of them are so intense for me. And I'll get into my dreams and everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this, you guys. <laughs> it's incredible how desensitized we get to things, isn't it? Yes. And then conversation I was having with one of our family members that is a teacher, but we were kind of like in a family conversation with a couple people and her and I were really on the same board of like, one person was like, well, it's fine. Like they need to get used to it. And we're like, no, like becoming desensitized to it. Like, yeah, they might, you might think they're okay right now, but it creates like long-term issues or whatever word you want to use of like, they need some work if they're going to eventually work through it one day, because it's not like normal. Like we should talk about like, this really bothered me. Like I shouldn't feel okay with this. Yeah. And I think that's the key point there. I shouldn't feel okay with this. There's a few TV series I can think of recently that I've watched and I've just sat through there and I felt uncomfortable. I'm like, why am I sitting through this? I don't, A, I don't need to. B, I'm an adult. I can get up and walk out or turn it off and not watch it. But the longer I went through the series, the more I got desensitized to it. And I thought that's actually not okay. It's not better that I'm getting desensitized. It's worse that it's becoming normalized. And again, I'm able to pick that apart and see that that's what's happening. But children aren't, you know, the rape culture, the misogyny, the the violence, the, the racisms, you know, overt and subvert. It's it is, it's internalized and children don't even know where that messaging is coming from half of the time. Well, and I think too, the important role for us as parents is they trust us so much. So whatever we're doing, they think is okay. You know, cause they're like, Oh, my parents love me. Like, of course they're only going to do what's best for me. So if they're doing something like that kid thinks like, Oh, my mom's doing it. My dad's doing it. So this must be okay. So I feel like as a parent like we have to really rise to the challenge and be like okay I know I might like this but I could probably give it up for a while and my child doesn't need to be exposed to it or I can choose a different time and then they don't think that's their norm yeah exactly yeah if we watch anything it's once the children are well asleep and in bed but even then it's it makes me stay up later which makes me get less sleep which makes me grumpier it's something I need to knock on the head very soon (laughs) I've got all these books half finished by my bedside table and I just think god if I read a chapter a night because that's my problem I I tell myself oh you know I read one chapter and I fall asleep I'm like isn't that the goal rather than staying up later (laughs) the goal is to go to sleep uh, it might take me longer to get through the books, but yeah, it's time. <laughs> well, even as a parent too, it's like, even if you get through a page and you really absorb that one page, like makes a difference. That- mm, yeah. Compared to the tripe that's going in from the TV series. Absolutely. That's <laughs> a much better option. Uh, all right. How do you see homeschooling looking for you in the future, particularly high school? So it's interesting. I've always been like, you know, we'll homeschool as long as it works for us. Um, I do love the Waldorf schools. And if we were ever in a place and they had a Waldorf school and the timing and the world and everything was right and Kai wanted to go, I'd be all in for it. And lately he, like my husband and him, like talk about our dream home and all these things we're going to do. And 
my son, he's like, well, when I'm in high school, I still want to be homeschooled mom. Like I, mm. so he, and really I'm just gonna let it like keep flowing year to year mm-hmm. and reevaluate it. And because I have found there are some really cool alternative schools. And so if we can join them and he wants to, and we can contribute to him like to that school and it can contribute to him. I think that can be an amazing thing too. For a while I was all excited, like, Oh yeah, I'm like a yogi and I'm plant-based and like, like excited about these labels that made me feel really good. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't care about any of the labels. Like, well, I'm not going to say we're going to homeschool the rest of our life. I'm not going to say anything we're going to do. Like we're going to live year by year and just nourish ourselves in whatever form that is. I think you've, yeah, that's, I think that's so beautiful. We get asked the same thing. What are you going to do in the future? And I couldn't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, one of us might get hit by a bus. It's just living day to day and enjoying where we are and being as present as we can be and following like the whole reason we've done this for our family was to create a lifestyle that suited our children. So it really needs to be our own children's lead. If they want to go to school, they can go to school. If they don't, then we'll get to that when we get there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's too, it's important of like listening to them and like their reasons for what, like sometimes they just want to go to school because they want to backpack in a lunchbox. Like, <laughs> so it's like, okay, we can so get that. True. You don't have to go to school. Like, <laughs> but like, what are your reasons? And is there another option or yeah, let's do it. I get the odd question. Um, hey mom, what are the, what would the kids at school be doing right now? And I'll look at the time and it, it might be, you know, 9.30. So they'd be probably sitting down to a class but you know, it could be music or it could be art. They might not be sitting down. He's like, but would they be inside right now? And he's looking around. You can see him looking around at the blue sky and the sun, and he's out at the beach. It's like, yeah, they they'd be at school and they whatever they're being taught, they have to learn. He goes, oh, I'm very lucky, aren't I? <laughs> Just think, yeah, yes, you are. My son's had that too. That we've lived on a military base, and all his friends around us were going to school. And so they would come home and tell him about their days. And they're like, I just want to be homeschooled too. Like, I don't, this is what, so he's heard it from his friends that they don't like school. So he's like, mom, I never want to go to school. They just sit at a desk. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing my, I don't know where my kids have got it from, but they're stuck on the fact that they have to sit at a desk and they can't be outside. So, so, well, I can't argue with the not being outside other than, you know, PE, but you know, yeah, there, there is a bit of movement in some classes, but yeah, essentially you'll be inside, maybe at a desk and that that's enough for them. That's enough for them to go, no, no, I'd rather lay on the floor and draw when I want to draw or Hopper's in his bed right now reading and Lakey's outside playing the drums and yeah, it's lifestyle for us. It's not actually about academic learning, not at all, but because we know, we're so comfortable with the knowledge that they're learning that when they're ready for it. I think too, the big thing for, for me having a boy, like a lot of times I read the difference about the boys and girls. And a lot of times people like, they could look in our window and be like, I don't think he's listening to anything you're reading in that book. Cause like yeah. Kai's upside down flipping around <laughs> and he can tell me everything I just said. Yeah, He just needs to move his body to understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I've got my youngest is exactly the same. If he's not moving, he's not taking anything in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wonder how that would be labelled in a school setting. You know, would it be ADHD? Would it be, um, you know, misbehaviour? So I was really impressed. My mother-in-law actually 
my husband, his teacher, when he was a kid, wanted to put him on medication for ADD. And my mother-in-law went to the classroom first and like sat in the classroom and watched it. And afterwards she told the teacher, she's like, he's just bored. I was bored too. Like Mm. he doesn't need medication. He's just bored in your class. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm so glad you went there and observed it before you're like, yep, let's medicate him. Yeah. And yeah, I, I can, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own classroom when I was teaching that it's not that they're, they're not misbehaving. They're not misguided. They're not doing anything malicious. It's just when you're bored, you need to move your body so you don't fall asleep because you get in trouble when you fall asleep in class. <laughs> so, damned if you do and damned if you don't. And in college, my husband fell asleep in class all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and did he graduate? <laughs> he did. Somehow he yes. still graduated. Somehow. And now he's in a master's and PhD program and getting straight A's. So yeah, when you're motivated (laughs) and when it needs to be done, you get it done, don't you? (laughs) Uh, All right, let's go on to our rapid fire questions. So we've got three for you. So Vanessa, what is your all-time favorite book? Oh my goodness. Um, I know, I actually hate this question when I get asked it myself. (laughs) (laughs) So for myself as a parent, one or as a female and a parent or just that I've loved exploring is women who run with the wolves that I read a chapter at a time, maybe like for a couple months, just really absorb it. And then, yeah, I read a ton of homeschooling books and stuff, but I would say doing your own inner work as a female and homeschooling parent is important. Oh my gosh. I've started that book about three times and I get to about the second or third chapter and my brain is just a muddle and I go back again and I start again. And I think, and I've been told by so many other women, it's that, it's a chapter by chapter book. And when you're ready for the next step of growth or you're ready for the next change, then then it's time to do another chapter. And I've got another friend that just goes back and picks any random chapter and does the same thing. So look, I'm just going to have to keep persevering with it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I'm not at the state in my life. I'm like, used to be a perfectionist and now I'm like better done than perfect but I can't just randomly flip to a chapter yet no. I just make a note in my phone and I'm like you ended on chapter seven you pick up on chapter eight I also can't not finish a book so this is I've got a real bone to pick with this book because it's one of the very few that I haven't finished and I know there's so many nuggets in there because even in the first two or three chapters so many nuggets but I think it was just so much. There is so much in there. You know, every page you could dissect into a hundred different pieces and take that on board. So I think I, I think maybe yes. that is a one page a night book and just be happy with my one page a night. And I used to be the same way. I would finish a book no matter how much I was not into it. And one day I was like, Vanessa, honor your time and yes. stop reading this. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> Oh, I and think it's very freeing. I think I could do that with most books, but this one, it's really got me. It's, it's, yeah, okay. I need to persevere for this one. Others I'm okay with. <laughs> All right. Where do you go and where do you take your family when you need to refresh and reset after a hard day? So I love our home. We are minimalists and I just love being in our own space, like being able to go in our backyard, being able to be in our home, just like. Because as soon as, for me, like, as soon as you, like, step away from your home environment, you never know, like, who you're going to run into, like, how parking's going to be, how driving's going to be. There's all those, like, external factors. And for me, I've always wanted our home to be our oasis and our, like, 
spot we can come together as the three of us because we're two like all three of us are very extroverts so as soon as you like put yourself out there and you usually like start to run into people and you know people everywhere it's hard to be like no like we just want to go inward so I found like I just love our space nice I feel the same about our place it's it's the place where we go to restore ourselves and and re-energize so we can go back out and people again <laughs> that's a great way to describe it people yeah again. and people let me get my people peopling back on <laughs> yes I love that if you could change one thing about the education system what would it be I think it would be to slow it down mm. um I think the best thing we live in a world that's just so fast-paced of like how much can we accomplish in one day and how much can we succeed and just slow it all back down for kids, for parents too. Cause I feel like a lot of parents don't actually get to enjoy childhood with their child. I feel like they're, they're like, okay, I'm going to homeschool and then I'm going to like work and then I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to be the perfect parent and make all these homemade foods, and, <laughs> you know, like just slow it down and acknowledge like how much you can do and like what's not going to work today. You know, like I would much rather do a third of what I would love to do and actually enjoy it all instead of being like, okay, let's next thing, next thing. Yeah. We've really found our children don't do well with an entire day out. And this is with the, you know, the same groups and the same families that we know and we love and we trust. So these are safe places and safe people that we're with. But if we're out all day, then we have big emotional outbursts at the end of the day. So it's taken us a bit of time to work out that our rhythm is go out in the morning, come back and reset and recharge in our safe space at home. And that will make that end of the day so much calmer and kinder and for everyone. And then I think, imagine if my children were at school all day, every day, five days a week, the outbursts that we would have after those, a full week like that. And I think I'm probably seeing my children in a completely different light to what it would be if we were in, in the school system. Yeah. I, I, so we call it like settle in. So we go out to our co-op and I'm like, okay, like my son knows now he's like, okay, mom, I know we're going to settle in. And <laughs> so that means like, we're going to unpack our stuff. We're going to like, Kai's going to browse books or take a shower or bath and clean up, like play in his room, like for a while, like, you know, that out breath and breath balance. And it's so nice that we just started that from the beginning when we were like going out and coming back and having that time to just like really have nothing planned, like kind of have silence and think about anything that happened, like check back in if there's something you want to talk about. I think it's that. I think you nailed it. It's that decompression time to actually process what's going on in the day. Whereas when we're out all day and then we go straight into the dinner bed bath routine, there's not that time to just let it out and process it and, and calm that system because my children definitely run and run and run and run and run and play and play and play and play and play and haven't yet learned how to regulate themselves in play despite us that's all we do all day every day that's what we do is we go and meet friends but it takes them to come home to actually pull that energy back down again so it's been really interesting to watch and it's hard too if it's like they want to talk about everything right before bed and you're like <laughs> yeah okay I would love to talk to you about everything, but right now is like not a good time. Like yeah. you need to go to bed. You need to sleep because otherwise we're going to have more of the same issues tomorrow. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and joining us, Vanessa. And thank you so much for your generosity in gifting children more time in nature and gifting parents community because guides like this, A, they're not cheap, but I don't know that people, unless they've done work like this before, I don't think they quite understand how much work and time will have gone into a resource like this. So from the bottom of our hearts, we want to say thank you for your generosity and thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. I could chat with you for a lot longer. hope you enjoyed our chat with Vanessa about all things homeschooling and homeschool nature co-ops today. Don't forget you can find Vanessa's A Year in Nature Guide on Etsy and you can find that link in the show notes on our website. Thanks so much for joining us today and don't forget if you're part of a homeschool co-op already we'd love for you to tag us in your images on Instagram so that we can show people what homeschool co-ops and nature homeschool co-ops look like all around the world. Until then stay wild. Stay wild.